Please bow with me for a word of prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Palm Sunday is probably one of the most dramatic days in the church calendar year. If you think about how we began this service, and it's almost hard to think about, that just less than a half an hour ago, we were talking about Jesus and his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And we were singing uh, Hosanna. And then we just read what's called the Passion Gospel and Jesus dying on a cross. And the emotion that you've gone through, that we've gone through in just those few short minutes is incredible, if you think about it. That it's like a roller coaster ride in just a few moments from one reading to another reading. See, we can't even imagine what Jesus and his apostles went through during that week, what the crowds went through during that week. Because you had people who were all over the place in terms of what they knew and what they knew about Jesus and what was going on. The Jesus riding into Jerusalem and many of the crowd yelling, Hosanna, which means, if you really understand, it's a prayer that means save us. So they were anticipating that this person riding into Jerusalem was going to be the Messiah. They said, son of David. In other words, he was the heir to David's throne, going to restore the kingdom or more to what happened during the reign of David and the reign of Solomon. That Israel was going to be Number one, again, they were going to be dominant, that people were going to have wealth and prosperity and peace and no longer oppression. And that's what they were anticipating in Jesus coming in with the palms and the cloaks being thrown on the ground. And then all of a sudden, a huge reversal. In just a matter of days. What Jerusalem went through. What Jesus' apostles went through. Because right now, we're going through a little sadness. That we're going through a mixture of emotion. That we're fairly removed from the situation in many, many ways. But what they experienced that week of anticipation, of excitement, and then confusion, and then being perplexed, and then being just totally intimidated and anxious and fearful, and then devastated, we can't imagine. Not totally. We can maybe grasp some of it, but we can't wholly engage. 
And think about his inner circle. Think about what they were going through. And when I say his inner circle, I'm talking about Peter, James, and John. His closest friends. Because think about what they experienced. They were the ones who saw him transfigured. Who caught a glimpse of this Messiah in his glory. They saw him raise a little girl from the dead. Besides Lazarus. So they knew that he could raise people from the dead. So certainly he could avoid getting arrested. And certainly he could avoid dying. What was going on? It made no sense. Even though he told them he was going to die. It made no sense. Now for those of you that haven't been here, you might be visiting During Lent, we've been talking about the questions Jesus asks. We think about Jesus providing many answers and directions and guidance. We think about Jesus teaching and modeling so much of what we are to be about in our lives, so much about what we're to be about in our faith. But we don't think about the over 100 questions Jesus asks And how we are to examine our lives and our motives and our heart and our faith. And if you think about it, this week, this week, what we call Holy Week, this is the last question that his three intimates, his three best friends are going to hear. Could you not watch with me, stay awake, pray with me for one hour? Can you imagine? You know what lots of us would have done? If we had been Jesus and our best friends had fallen asleep and we had found them, it's okay. Don't worry about it. We're such enablers, aren't we? We want to accommodate everybody. We don't want our friends. Jesus wanted them to think about it. And it's a critical question for them to know and to reflect on. Could you not stay awake and watch and pray with me for one hour? This critical hour. And you'll understand how critical in a short period of time. Because they didn't really understand even though he had told them over and over and over again what was about to happen. They didn't understand. Think about the previous week in total. It's really, really important to think about the whole week and how it all unfolded. First of all, Palm Sunday. The riding in, he's riding on a donkey. It's a prophecy. It's a prophecy about the king riding in on a donkey. So many people in Jerusalem have anticipation as to what's going on. The city, because it's Passover time, the perfect time for this to unfold. 
You need to understand that too. The perfect time. The city had gone from probably approximately 100,000 people to over a million people. You think this week's going to be bad on the island? You have no idea. No idea. Meredith and I just went to, we tried to, the, the master's practice round on Wednesday with Meredith's sister and her husband. We got there at 8.30 in the morning. At 10 o'clock, the horn blew. And they came over the loudspeaker, please leave now. Because a storm is coming. And my guess is somewhere between 60 and 80,000 people immediately headed for the gate. And when they said a storm was coming, probably about an hour and a half to two hours after that siren blew, we were in hail. So they weren't wrong. First time in 60 plus years, the par three was canceled at the Masters. So just to put it all in perspective. So this 60 to 80,000 people are heading toward the gate. Right? That's not many people compared to Passover in Jerusalem. And yet we stopped several times trying to get out the gate. We ended up getting rained upon. We ended up sitting in traffic with our car. It wasn't fun, especially since we only got to see an hour and a half of almost nothing. And the city is wild. And the anticipation of the apostles, is incredible. And then Jesus, what does he do when he gets into the city? Immediately goes to the temple, and he clears the temple. He's thrown the gauntlet down. Yeah, baby, he's clearing it out. All the religious corruption, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priest, he's put them on notice. It's happening. You think. What really happens is, now the plot to have him killed is on. They don't get it. Fast forward to Thursday, they go to the upper room. He washes their feet. That's confusing. Tells them again, he's going to die. Tells them that he's troubled in spirit, says to them, let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because they're having the Passover meal or a Seder meal, depending upon what your take is on that meal. And he says to them, this is my body broken for you, my blood shed for you. They have no idea what he's talking about. He goes on and teaches them about how they're going to be persecuted and about the Holy Spirit and how they're going to need the Holy Spirit. My guess is as much as this is an intimate, touching, thrilling moment, they're off balance most of the time. Then he prays for them. They sing a song. 
And then they go to their campground for the night because there's not enough space for them to stay anywhere. So they go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Then what do you think they're thinking? They have a big meal, several glasses of wine, time to hunker down and get a good night's sleep. Warm evening. Jesus says to Peter, James, and John, I need you to pray with me. Are you kidding? At this hour after that meal and wine? Jesus. That's not how you think. They can't stay awake. They don't see the priority. They don't see the purpose. Jesus is asking them to stay awake, to support him. They don't get it. They don't see the need. Put that on hold for a second. What's Jesus going through? He's troubled. He knows what's coming. He knows what's coming for them. He knows they're confused. But he's in the process of being betrayed. He knows he's about to be denied. And he's in, he knows he's about to be deserted. He is probably... So lonely. Because no one understands. No one understands. Sometimes we say to people, you don't understand. But I think at certain levels, all of us can understand degrees of what we're going through. Because we all understand pain and sorrow and loss. Health challenges. No one understands what Jesus is about to go through. No one. Suffering for all of humankind. Dying on a cross for all of us. Taking upon himself the sin of the world. The loneliness. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? No one understands the depth of his loneliness. We're all lonely at times. When we take on leadership at times, we're lonely. Jesus is unique in that. And no one understands. And so when he says to his apostles, I need you to be with me, to keep watch, to pray. To bear my burden with me. They didn't understand. The inner three. You know, I talked about what they experienced with Jesus. Let's talk about what they wanted from Jesus. Remember James and John at one point? sitting at his right hand and left hand, right? We want the good stuff. 
We want the glory. We want the prestige. We want the power. We want the wealth. We want the enjoyment. Are you kidding us? Work? Really? This is going to cost me something? Peter. (laughs) Peter. I want the fun. Surfing on water without anything. Right? I want to be the spokesperson. But I don't want to suffer. Jesus always took the brunt. We want the luxury. We don't always want the cost. That's the bottom line. That's oftentimes what it is. So Jesus wanted this last question to stick with them for a little while. After the resurrection, they would know his grace and his forgiveness and his love. They would know the power of the Holy Spirit that would wash over them. But I guarantee you that last question stuck with them for a little while. And it needed to. Because we all want the luxury and we want the ease and we want the grace and we want the fun. The question last week, for those of you that weren't here, Jesus asking his apostles, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Very similar in John's Gospel. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We all all want the ease. We all want the gift. We all want the Savior. But He invites us to come alongside Him. To be people of prayer. To bear one another's burdens. To walk with Him. To walk in His footsteps and to take up our cross and follow Him. That's what He calls us to. And it's not always easy. But He went to the cross because He loves us. He knew, he knew where the apostles were. He knew what they were going to do all along the way. And notice, he doesn't condemn. He just leaves the question. Because he wants us to examine ourselves. And to confess. And to find forgiveness at the cross. And then to understand the point and purpose of the cross and then the resurrection. That we might be transformed. And the Holy Spirit that might change us. So that we might.
become people of prayer. So that we might bear one another's burdens. So that we might be transformed by His grace. But that won't happen if all we want is luxury. If all we want to do is sleep. Will you not watch with me? And pray. As you contemplate the gift of Jesus this week. I want you to think about the gift that Jesus has given. But also the question that he asks. Please bow with me in prayer. Jesus emptied himself that we might know the gift of salvation and eternal life. And he said to his father, not my will, but your will be done. And Paul writes to the Romans, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know how to pray as we ought, but that very spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That God promises, even in our weakness, He will provide the Spirit to help us pray. And then Paul goes on to write, We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to His purpose. And that's what Jesus sought throughout His life. And his death, God's purpose. For our sake, for our sin, for our salvation. Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your son Jesus. For the depth of his love. That he emptied himself to come, to walk among us. That he submitted himself fully out of love for us to go to the cross, a cost that only he could pay, a loneliness that only he could go through. For our sake, for our sin, so that we might know the gift of salvation and eternal life. Lord, especially this week as we walk the path to Good Friday, That we would contemplate the question. Will you not watch with me? Lord, that as we come to Easter Sunday, that we would be ready for the power of the resurrection. For a changed life. For the power of your Holy Spirit to be transformed. That we might truly be prayer warriors for the sake of your kingdom that we might truly intercede for one another 
and have hearts for prayer. That we might truly learn what it means to bear one another's burdens. To be servants for the sake of your kingdom. Out of love for you and out of love for one another. Lord, help us to walk this walk this week as we seek to walk in your footsteps and glorify you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.